Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the Critical Twits podcast, where today we compare Ghost in the Shell with Ghost in the Shell. Yes, hello, this is the Critical Twits. More specifically, I'm Brian Ennis. And I'm Aaron Ravinsky. And today we're going to be comparing 1995's anime classic Ghost in the Shell with 2017's critically maligned cyberpunk travesty <laughs> Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> Those of you who are regular listeners will know that this is something slightly different for us. Yes. We are we are engaging for the first time in a bit of uh, film criticism. Now when we set this up, I had a look back, I think it's still on our, uh, on our SoundCloud actually, uh, we said we'd talk about board games, video games and geek culture. Yes. What's geek culture, Aaron? Is that like yogurt made from from nerds? <laughs> Fermented scrapings of nerd, yeah. Yeah. Freshly um, milked Magic the Gathering players. <laughs> oh god, I hope not. I hope myself I can kind of taste it in the yeah. back of the back of my mouth. It's um salty. Yes, very, very salty. Um yeah, so we thought we'd uh, we would have a bit of a chat about something a little bit different for you. Yeah. Um, so if you think that's good, you know you listen to the podcast, you enjoy it, please make sure to leave a like or even better a comment and let us know that you enjoyed it because we do have some ideas for some follow-ups on a similar line. Yes. Uh, and if you don't like it and it disgusts you that we would even do anything that wasn't related to gaming, then again, let us know um, so that we can you know adjust our schedules accordingly. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, although I will say on that point, there was a um, Ghost in the Shell game, so technically this is still fine. So it's, uh, oh, we're talking about a game tie-in media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. It's like a cross-fertilisation of a transmedia project. Got off your little now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit of buzzwords for you. Yeah. Mm. So I suppose what we're going to do first of all is kind of introduce the the films for those that maybe aren't too aren't too certain what they are and what's yeah. going on explain why we've chosen to speak about them and talk about them in a general non-spoilery way for probably half an hour or so yeah i'm trying to predict how long it takes us to do a thing i'm, I'm we, gonna say what like 10 minutes to be honest we describe the film and then the instant we start talking about it we break a week yeah it, it's but. hard it's hard to discuss without without spoilers um definitely i mean i'm not too fussed about spoiling ghost in the shell because it's from 1995 but ghost in the shell was from 2017 <laughs> yeah it's a bit uh, it's a bit tricky with something that's so new, yeah. Um, for me, then um, we'll, we'll go into the spoilers later. But for me, what what triggered this off as a what we thought would be an interesting discussion, hopefully a worthwhile discussion to share with uh, you, our lovely, I nearly said viewers, listeners, word hearing people, um, <laughs> is the fact that Aaron, you're a big fan of the original Ghost in the Shell. Yes, very much so. And you didn't want to go and see the live action movie with me at the cinema, and I was very sad that I was so cruelly rejected. <laughs> I reached out the arm of the arm, the appendage of friendship, um, and was cruelly rebuffed. Yes, um, because you had concerns. Yeah, um, and so we waited until it's just come out on DVD. Yep. Well, we watched the Blu-ray. Yeah, we Ooh, did. It was shiny. It was, it was very cheaper. Shiny. That's the only reason I bought the Blu-ray. Um, paradoxically, the newer medium was cheaper. Cool. Maybe we're starting to see that. Maybe the Blu-ray is being produced at more mass level, which makes it cheaper. That might be nice. Or they're trying to get us to abandon our old 
ways. So we can buy one. new equipment. Yeah, yeah, probably cynically speaking. Um, whereas for me, I watched I watched it in the cinema. I just went without Aaron. Yeah, and had a giant lemonade, and it was lovely. <laughs> um, and I really, really, really enjoyed it. I, yeah. And then I found out I was in a minority. Yes. And most people thought it was rubbish. Yeah, it wasn't particularly well received. No. So. Just uh, just a bit of a, a stat attack. The the current the the, the twenty seventeen version, mm-hmm. um, the live action remake starring Scarlett Johansson, um, yep. apparently lost about sixty million dollars at the cinema. Yeah, it um, once you take into account marketing, and yeah, we might actually. talk about their marketing in a second because yeah. made you roll your eyes, Aaron. Yeah, it was um, one put me off it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It it didn't make a lot of money. I think it has about just sort of looking at Metacritic and such like to aggregate responses. Mm. About forty five percent sort of approval rate. Forty five percent Rotten Tomatoes approval or something. You know yeah. those, those kind of things. Yeah. Very low. Yeah. Um, it seemed quite divisive actually. It seems to be getting a lot of very low scores mm. and a smattering of high scores. Okay. Um, which is interesting. Yeah, definitely. The original, then, something that I hadn't watched until yesterday, mm-hmm. um, or you know, an indeterminate period in the past. If you're listening to this in the future, uh, uh, <laughs> but at the time of recording yesterday, um, the original I had never seen. I thought I'd seen Ghost in the Shell. What I'd actually watched is Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. I think. Yeah, well, yeah, which is a aggregated version of an entire. 26 episode series into an hour and a half yeah and yeah, so it, it didn't have an ending it just stopped in the middle of a fight yeah because I think it's supposed to be like a two part OVA they call them yeah uh, yeah yeah so I didn't really no I wasn't that fast um, but having us having recently got heavily into cyberpunk playing a lot of netrunner playing the sprawl rpg which we will review for you <laughs> uh, once aaron has had a chance to play it with us <laughs> more than once yeah didn't, half an evening yeah yeah you've yeah. not had a, a proper go at all yeah it, it kind of appealed to me in that sense yeah and i think i went along quite sort of fresh and and open yeah. to it not knowing really what to expect whereas for you when we watched it earlier today, yeah. it was obviously coloured by your previous knowledge of the... Uh, yeah, the definitely. I try to watch it with an open eye and consider it as you should with these things, I think. Something that is unrelated to the other stuff. Yes. There are certain aspects of it that made that difficult, though, which we'll come to. Yeah, these adaptations are quite tricky, aren't they? Because a lot of the time people have... A specific idea of what something is and what it isn't and what it is like and what it isn't like in their heads yeah certainly and then they don't like it when those things get messed with i mean i know people that are big game of thrones book fans mm-hmm. that hate the tv show because it's not it's yeah. not right yeah and i the same i think i went to see the harry potter movies with a friend of mine who was massively into it i'd never read the books myself but he'd read all of them loads and loads of times and he was angry coming out of those films because they'd missed huge important plot points for him yeah um, because those parts were important to him yeah yeah. yeah. and people can often take it personally can't they yeah 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 so a lot of these things do have a personal connection to you in some way some reason behind why you've attached yourself to that and if they miss that aspect 
you feel like they've ignored you. They've kind of rebuffed you in a way, haven't they? Yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah. yeah. Like ignoring somebody for the, to go to the cinema, yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm still upset. <laughs> Don't know if anyone can tell. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, Ghost in the Shell, or Gits for short. Yeah. I did like the fact that Ghost in the Shell standalone complex came out as Gits sack. <laughs> yeah, it does, yeah. Uh, <laughs> made me laugh, made me chuckle. Um, originally um, a Japanese manga by... <laughs> Masamune Shirao yes that's the one yes it is yeah, that's, the pe- that's a pen name but it is the have, I, I pr- apologise now because I won't have pronounced that correctly correctly yeah. correctly yeah. correctly <laughs> can't even pronounce English words correctly no that's a Japanese I, name I, I can't do sounds well good and stuff um, <laughs> yes yeah it was yeah I know nothing of the original uh, manga you've read a bit a little bit yeah there was um it is essentially the same as the uh, 95 movie. Okay. Uh, for the most part. But with a bit more focus on the uh, spider tanks, as they call them in the new one. But the, the overall um, theming and story is the same, but done slightly more cartoony. Okay. In an adult cartoony way. She's, yeah. she's In the original and this one, she's perceived as you know, a mature adult woman. She's more like in her early... Or barely into her twenties, looking in the comics. Yeah, the manga. Sorry, I shouldn't say comics because that offends some people. But they are the same thing. Just you just you know read one from one end and one from the other. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I had a girlfriend like that. That's fine. I did get put off the, the the manga after I read something from the author because there is um, in the original one. I don't think of the re-release. It's in there anymore. But there's a two praise spread of her um, having an orgy with other women. What? <laughs> There is a reason for it in the manga. It's oh, okay. That the guy crowbarred a reasoning because yeah. he wanted to draw some titties. Some of the reasoning is sound, and we'll come to this with the original movie as well. Okay. This is a bit of a clash here. Yeah. But one of his justifications of why it was because um, a lot of people lord is like, okay, you've got just a women. You know, she's you've got gay or bisexual characters to turn out later. Well, that's quite interesting, especially, especially Japan. Yeah, and, and especially, especially in the eighties, nineties. Yeah, late eighties. Yeah. 80s, yeah. Um, and his response was, yeah, I just didn't really want to draw a man's butt. <laughs> I went, cool, right. I'm not reading that anymore. I mean, he could have been being cheeky. He could have been, to be he fair. Could have been cheeky. He, he does come across as possibly a slightly cheeky person. Yeah, or he could be a horrible man. We, yeah. we'll, we'll never know. Um, if you're listening, get in contact. We will grill you. <laughs> uh, with our bats <laughs> so you've kind of got you. when did you first watch Ghost in the Shell um, on the sci-fi channel in the UK they used to show um, anime like at the middle of the night yeah I saw a lot of tentacles yeah there was a lot of that back then so, so I saw a lot of that sort of, of anime yes and then on I think it was two consecutive weeks actually they showed Akira one week and yep. Ghost in the Shell the next one okay. and I was like <gasps> Anime could be something other than pornographic tentacle horrendousness. But there it can is, actually be a little yeah. bit intellectual. Well, and although Ghost in the Shell is slightly pornographic in places, and in Akira, there's a lot of tentacles. Yeah, but they're not sex tentacles. Yeah, so I watched that, and it. Yeah, like you said, there is a certain aspect of pornography, softcore pornography, sort of aspect to it. But yeah. It was framed a lot differently yeah. to what these other ones were. It wasn't necessarily framed to be titillating. 
Yeah. You could see it, quite easily perceive it as that, but I don't think it was framed that way. So it, in depth, yeah. there, was, there was philosophy involved, there was sci fi, which I love, yeah. and, question, and it made me question a lot of things when after I came out seeing it, which was cool. Yeah. As opposed to questioning your sexuality, like the tentacle porn things might have done. Yeah, a little yeah. bit, yeah, yeah. I've not done the same way since. <laughs> so it's only taken us 14 minutes. I'm now going to explain, <laughs> in just in a quick overview, just what. Ghost in the Shell is about. Yes. Um, so in Ghost in the Shell, we can talk broadly about what they share in common. Mm-hmm. Um, they both feature the... Well, everything features the character of the Major. Yeah. Who is a human brain in a robotic body. Yes. This character works for Section 9. Yep. Uh, which is a sort of anti-terrorist group. Yes. I think it's an anti Cyber crimes division in the first film. Yeah. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's not so a terrorism. The government agencies. Yes. They all share that it's very cyberpunk if you didn't get from uh, a brain in a robot's body. Yeah. Uh, so you have a very kind of gritty future mm-hmm. um, where there's lots of crime but lots of high technology. Yeah. Um, as well, sort of coexisting side by side. And they all share to certain degrees um <clears throat> those cyberpunk themes of the impact of technological change yeah. of post-humanism individualism yeah uh, and all these kinds of things i think that the two films take a very different approach to that those, yes. those particular um, yeah, subjects do. so we'll start with um 1995 and just start sort of talk our way through it although yeah. it's inevitable that comparisons will be made yeah. either way because as we said your perception of the new film mm-hmm. being colored by your love of the old anime yeah i enjoyed the new film yeah and therefore the anime was completely coloured by what it did differently when I watched it. Yes. So hopefully we can find some common ground or have a blazing stand-up argument. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 1995 then, or for Aaron on the Sci-Fi Channel in the late 90s, early 2000s? Yeah, I'd say late 90s, very late. You know, yeah, maybe 99, 2000, I think, possibly. Both films feature a little bit of exposition at the beginning. Like Blade Runner. Like Blade Runner, like Star Wars. So, Ghost in the Shell 1995 starts with this uh, two lines that I don't like. Fair enough. I will, yeah. I will poison the well before yeah. I say them. In the near future, corporate networks reach out to the stars. Electrons and light flow throughout the universe. The advance of computerization, however, has not yet wiped out nations and ethnic groups. What the fuck does that have to do with the rest of... Of the film. Genuinely? No idea. Nothing. I think it is more of a nod to the manga. Yeah. Possibly. But yeah, it is a bit. So, <laughs> first of all, corporate networks reach out to the stars. That's good. Yeah. That makes sense. However, electrons and light flow throughout the universe. They've been doing that since the dawn of time. <laughs> Learn some science. <laughs> It then goes, the advance of computerisation. Yeah, computers have come into play. However, has not yet wiped out nations and ethnic groups. Yeah. <laughs> the, film, the film is then set in an indeterminate place. It's, well, it's it's a Japanese city. Yeah. With a slightly mixed cast of, yeah. of people. Yeah. And the only point where we're talking about nations is because at the beginning, there's a computer programmer that wants to defect to a different country. Yes. From then on, that that's not how you start something. That no. made a really poor first impression because I thought it might get a little bit racist. 
Yes. It might be a bit right wing. It, it does it does read a little bit like computers should have killed out anybody who isn't us by now and yet it hasn't damn yeah so I, I just Ugh. found that it, it kind of threw me to start with I'll be honest like I said when I saw you post that I couldn't remember it so <laughs> that part is not the point that ever makes any impact on anybody it's not very no. good that bit isn't good the rest of the opening is great but that is a terrible yeah thing. and then from there I mean we can very briefly explain the plot yeah, yeah. Um, for those that may have forgotten Mm-hmm. or are interested in hearing us talk but don't give a shit about the films, in which case, you odd, odd bastard, hats off to you, you're my favourite. <laughs> you have the Major. Yeah. Uh, Major Motoko Kusanagi. Yes. Yeah, good, good. I'm getting good at this Japanese thing. She is investigating a series of poorly explained crimes, in my opinion. You you didn't find a problem with the plot. No, not particularly. She She's... A- Exploring, like I said, there are cyber crimes divisions, yes. particularly, um, and in this universe, that can mean hacking and individuals. Yeah, so lots of people have cybernetic implants into their brain, which yeah. means if you hack that implant, you can control people. Yes, and you have different aspects of them. Yeah, you have this character called the Puppet Master, mm-hmm. who is pursuing their own agenda. Yeah, hacking into people, causing lots of chaos trouble, crime, chaos, crime, etc., etc. Trying to figure out why and who they are. Yes. Yeah. Which leads to, there's lots of bobbins in the middle, um, but it leads to a fusion of this creature and the major who mm-hmm. form a new entity mm-hmm. housed within the body of a child in some very ha- heavy-handed symbolism at the end. A little bit, yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite heavy. And that cre- that child goes off into the city to go and live its life and see what it can make of itself. Yeah. Um, after... It's more about the theme of her trying to find her identity and, and what she yes. is. Yeah, particularly kind of her feminine identity as well. One of the aspects I really like about it. Okay. Um, it's very introspective in that respect. Yeah. How then How then does it talk about her femininity? Because that wasn't something that came out hugely strong to me. But. It's more within visual clues okay. than anything else. Now, we touched on the fact that there is obviously nudity in this film yes um, and I will I'd happily agree with a lot of people that in some respects it's completely pointless yes it's, it's just there for for the sake of it yeah however in other scenes it is used to explore these aspects of gender mm. identity and, and uh, her actions aren't particularly feminine yeah but she exists as a woman what does that mean to her the very start of the film shows her body being built yeah, ground up. which is the same as in the 2017 version. Yes. Yeah. But the body of the Scarlett Johansson major, yeah. if you like, she has human-looking hands and face. Mm-hmm. The rest of her body is kind of white and sort of panelled and looks robotic. Yes, yeah. Whereas the major in the animated version... Is completely humanoid-looking. Uh, you know, it's, it's a woman, with yeah. the exception of... Uh, vagina. Yeah, there's no genitals. She, no, she's completely lacking reproductive it's like, organs. It's like a... Like a um, well, you say she's lacking reproductive organs. Yes. She has fucking great big huge nipples. Yes. I was really put off by the nipples. Because there's another... That sounds really weird, doesn't it? <laughs> um, there's another there's another robotic figure like her mm-hmm. um, that is kind of a... It's a torso and one and a half arms yeah, yeah. Um, of a woman that's yeah. sort of carried around and used at various points. Yeah, yeah. That has nipples as well. Yes. Now, 
Scarlett Johansson Major doesn't have any nipples. No, but they don't explore the same aspects. No. Now, but, uh, I mean, I'm not anti-nipples. No, no, no. I don't no, want no. to get labelled as one of these like crazy anti-nipple people. Yeah, on, on initial viewing, that's a very odd contrast. It's like, okay, well, you're not willing to show, you know, a na- another natural body part. Why are you happy to, for a robot to have nipples? It's when... really pointy as well. They're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. they're like, she, she's... like if she was actually going to feed a baby with those things, it, it would jab through that baby's face. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. that baby could could take suck for hours upon those hardened nips and it would be fine what have i just said <coughs> you know she, it looks like she could she could cut glass with them yes yeah maybe that's what they're there for Potentially. maybe that it's just a weapon they didn't get to explore <laughs> but it's tying into you know she's she's lacking reproductive organs so in essence the only thing her breasts exist for is some kind of sexual gratification with somebody else yeah, nothing to do with her, nothing to do with her biological function. They just exist because somebody else wanted them there. Yeah, it doesn't really go into that very much, so I am reading that into it mm. because of the lack of other stuff. So I may be overreading with that yeah. aspect. Other people have spotted that as well. I'm not the only person to have t- tapped on. That yeah, aspect yeah, because she massively struggles with her identity, and the reason I end up focused on it is because, as you said, during the end, she, she merges with the AI that is the puppet master to form a new a new life form that is neither her nor the puppet master, but it's something new, made from yeah. both of them, her attempting to reproduce in a way when that has been taken away from her. Is that, a, is that a, a, an odd way to look at women? They must all want to reproduce? Potentially, because, you, because you're looking at that, you're only a woman defined if you can have children yeah although the puppet master has a male voice and also wants to reproduce yes it's the same thing so trying to create life is not necessarily an aspect of a womanhood but it comes across as though the major that was never anything she was ever considered before yeah you know she doesn't have that feminine aspect if you want to say that's not really true because that's Mm. oversimplifying but yeah, yeah, Bartu, the um, her partner, mm-hmm. um, as in in police sense. Yes, um, he obviously finds her uh, femininity attractive. Yes, and yet for her, it's something that is just it is the shell. She cares yeah. nothing about it. Yeah. So yeah, going going back to the name then, the ghost is your soul or your consciousness. Mm-hmm. So she has a ghost. Yeah. And the shell is the body. So she yeah. is put into a different shell. Yeah. Now, they talk a lot about ghosts and shells in yeah. both versions. Now, it grated for you in the original. Yeah, the original, because for me, consciousness or soul... I mean, mm. soul, if you want to be religious, mm-hmm. your consciousness or your personality, maybe. Yeah. Um, you could talk about it. They're terms we already have Yeah. for exactly the same thing. Calling it a ghost didn't add anything I couldn't see why they call it a ghost rather than using one of these words see for me because they have a very heavy focus on the fact that memories and uh, sensations can all be manipulated by outside sources your memories can be completely altered and you have no idea what they are yeah so necessarily your identity and who you are is necessarily defined by those aspects yeah so from a scientific standpoint that makes it there is something outside of a consciousness which consciousness is made up of your memories and your, your interactions with the real world. Yeah. And it, there's some aspects of you that exists outside of that. Yeah. So for me, in the original film, the use of ghost was a language divide that had moved away from the idea of soul because it wasn't necessarily tied to a religious as- uh, consideration, but to something that they discovered as they were doing this process that existed outside of physical forms as such. So it never grated for me. In the new film, yeah. they overused them. Oh, see, I, I felt they used it less... 
Yes, yeah. I would yeah. probably say they probably used it less, but really in the same sentence as soul or body on several occasions. Yeah, they explained they explained what they meant, whereas they didn't necessarily need to do yeah. that. Which yeah. made, to me, feel like that was more of a natural language yeah. progression. It was just how they yeah. termed things then. What, what, for me, the difference was, and we're crossing over already, in the 2017 version, mm-hmm. they talk about her ghost and her shell. Yes. In the 1995 version, yeah. they talk about ghosts and shells mm-hmm. for everyone all the time. Yes, because in the 1995 version... These kind of cybernetic changes. Yeah. Although the major is deemed to have like top end and have a major reform and stuff, isn't that out of context? A lot of people do that. Yes. It's, it's normal to have a complete body transplant yeah. and move your brain to a completely cybernetic body. Yeah. Whereas in, standard. In 2017, it's very important to the plot that she is the first one. Yes. And she is special and she is different. Yes. And I think that conceit is what the, the two films, they start to diverge very, very quickly in what they focus on. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed Ghost in the Shell. Mm-hmm. I found uh, 1995. Gits 95. I liked Gits 95. Yeah. It had some very interesting ideas. Yes. I did feel that the dialogue was very clunky and the voice acting is hot, hot garbage left in the sun to bake for a million years under a cloud of flatulence. <laughs> yeah. You texted me something similar while you were watching, actually. Yeah. I said, oh, my God, Aaron. Yeah. Fairness, yeah, that's a perfectly reasonable response because it yeah. isn't that great. I think that took me out of it slightly. Yeah, and it, it can do. Um, it's an unfortunate side effect of the fact that the industry at that time, voice acting and translation... Funding was very limited. Yes. Um, so was a bit more stunted in that respect. Um, yeah. And these things do tend to be exposition heavy. Yeah, this it's is... It's uh, forming for Japanese cinema for some reason. I'm not yeah. 100% sure on the reasonings why. Um, I'm not not yeah. gender there up were, There were a lot of, of conversations where it was like, as you know, Bartu, this is a direct violation of this directive. And you'll yeah. go, yes. And... They must be really sorry, mustn't they? Because they could get thrown into prison for a million years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, yes. That would be terrible, wouldn't it? It's very, very heavy on exposition. And I felt it was telling me what to think about rather than showing me something I wanted to think about. Yeah, on occasion, which I find very odd because there are some very good uses of showing, not telling in places. In places, um, yeah. There's the scene on the boat with the two of them after she's just come up after diving. Yeah. There's a very expedition-heavy bit on why she's doing that. Yeah. But there's also in that very same scene where she, she takes off a diving suit to change into something else and completely, without thinking about it, you know, she's naked, just taking the clothes off. Out in the open, yeah. clearly doesn't care because yeah. it's showing that she doesn't see yeah. her body as a. You know, Bar cybernetic form. goggles nearly then, pop out of his head, don't yeah, they? Yeah, well, he he turns his head away because for him it's like, no, I'm, I'm embarrassing her, that's her, her shame because he still sees yeah. that as a humanised aspect where she doesn't. Yeah. And it, you shouldn't stare at people when they're naked, yeah. that's not, not and, what you do. And it do. shows yeah. that contrast really well. The very first opening scene after she assassinates um, the defector focuses very strongly as she's falling out the window on her eyes. Which I know it's animated, it's very easy to do that, but don't yeah. blink at all and just stare. Yeah. And it's just it's cold, calculated stare at the camera as as it pan as it closes off. Yeah. And again, that shows the major's character in a very quick, sharp form yeah. that she's a cold, calculated assassin. Yeah, this is the thing: is that this is what got me about the, the film. There was an interesting idea about you know what makes us human. Is it that urge to carry on, to leave something else, mm-hmm. to 
have a legacy, if yeah. you like, via sort of reproduction. To exist outside of ourself. Yeah. yeah. That was that that's interesting. Yeah. But I never found any sort of sympathy for the major because because she was so cold, mm-hmm. it was kind of like being asked to empathise with a robot. She was more robot than person. Yes, she had a person's brain. Yeah. But she was it seemed to be suggesting that our emotions maybe are a physical thing. Yeah. And, and our feelings are in our body, you know, the quickening of the heartbeat, the flipping of your stomach when you're nervous, um, yeah. you know, involuntarily making a fist when you're angry, that kind of thing. It's seems to kind of take that approach. Yes. And so removed from her human body, she was removed from emotion, but she still had similar psychological drives. Mm-hmm. In the 2017 version, um, the Scarlett Johansson version of the Major is very much more an emotional creature. She still yeah. has all those human emotions, just in a robotic body. Yes. And so they feel like completely different characters with similar haircuts. Yeah, hugely. It it grated with me for a start because I'd gotten used to... And, and I mm, yeah. sympathised with her. As, as somebody who was over-emotional as a, as a teenager, yeah, seeing somebody who was detached from that but could still show this care and consideration for others around them that yeah. still wanted to do something outside of themselves and stuff mm. was a nice attachment point for me. Yeah. It was like, okay, you can exist outside of yourself without necessarily having to have an emotional connection and not actually be a horrible person. I think when you're a, a teenager, your emotions are all over the place, aren't yeah. they? So therefore there is an appeal for that, that kind of that yeah. that a lot of a lot of those kind of characters that appeal to you when you're that age yeah. don't have a lot of emotional, very controlled emotionally. Yes. Or can come across as cold because They've mastered something that's causing you trouble. Yes, yeah. So. And maybe it's maybe that's part of the, the sort of the target audience. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, showing um, that kind of strong-willed. Although, respect. Japanese society um, is based a lot around the idea of controlling one's emotions in public. Yes, and yeah, such yeah. like. Anyway, so maybe maybe those subtle clues a Japanese audience would read more into those because they're used to people keeping a more yeah. a more detached persona while they're in the outer yeah, world. Potentially, yeah. So that might be that might be a thing. But yeah. yeah, I just found her very cold and very unsympathetic which, as a character, so I didn't really care. Which I can completely sympathise with. I can it's one of those things I look at and go, no, I cannot completely understand that. And mm. I don't I didn't watch Get 17 and the, the major in that oh she's emotional which is all wrong she can't be like that I was like no I could you know obviously I was meant to sympathise with her but it, it made sense for her character the way they were developing and things like that it yeah. worked it's, it's not it's a, but it's a different character because it's a different film yeah it's, it's weird because the, the, the 95 major she feels kind of she just seems to exist who mm-hmm. made her Mm-hmm. We don't really section nine. No. Yeah, they they made her. Mm-hmm. When did they make her? How long has she been doing it? What? Who was she before? See, this it's is the not answer. mentioned at all. No, because it's not really important. Yeah, but for me, we're. I think people are a, a product of their histories, mm-hmm. and so for me, knowing where someone's come from or where they've been maybe it's an unfair generalization but you, you feel you know when you get to know someone new like yeah, if you have yeah. a new a new romantic partner you, start you stay the... up all night and you tell them everything that ever happened to you yeah, yeah tell them about your sad childhood and when daddy didn't buy you a pony yeah. 
because you know it's part of who you are and you, you share your yeah. something of yourself that way we never get that from the major in the 95 See, version and this is one of the reasons this is one of the right places we disagree and this is one of the reasons I like the 95 version yeah it's because it doesn't focus on what for me is kind of a tidal tro- trope you know you're always shaped by your past so you always have to know your past so you can't ever look into the future because what happens to you before is going to affect well, you you can never look beyond that you need to understand your past before you can move on I think is a very modern idea yes. you know the idea of therapy yeah. and talking over your problems yeah. and getting closure Yes. is very much present in the 2017 version yeah, yeah. 1995 it's just like here's a robot with a person's brain I wonder what that's like yeah yeah and I think it's it, it feels like it's saying, I wonder what that's like, not I wonder what she's like. Yes, yeah. It's exploring the concept over the yeah. characters. So it's very heavy on ideas. So if you like your hard science fiction, mm-hmm. hard, strong, throbbing science fiction. Oh, yes. The most sciencey fiction that ever did science fi. I have a hard, throbbing science fiction inserted in my brain. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, if you like that, if you're really into your, your you know, your you watch or read or play sci-fi stuff for the ideas Mm -hmm. which I think you do more so than me I think there's some really interesting ideas in there but for me as a story I didn't emotionally connect with it at any point in the narrative the closest I came was feeling a bit sorry for Bartu yeah because he obviously fancies the pants off a robot um, and he's got like tiny little beady eyes, bless him. Um, I don't know, I never read that. It's, it's interesting. So I never read it as a kind of romantic attachment. I always read it as a, he cares deeply about her, definitely. Yeah. He's, he's, this is somebody he's worked with and cares a lot about. Maybe I was projecting because I saw some nipples. Possibly, uh, yeah. Projecting. That's a <laughs> poor choice of words at that moment <laughs> in time. But yeah, that's I, I, again, it's one of those aspects I can completely appreciate. If yeah. you're looking for more character-driven story, it's probably not what you're looking for. Standalone complex, that's quite character-driven. Yeah. The major is lacking a bit in the first series, but the second series expands a lot. The new one then just like greatly overleaps, I think, because maybe it's too emotional. So there were some of the shots I really liked, just in, in no particular order. There's right near the beginning... Oh, put an order on it um, <laughs> in chronological order there's a shot where the major wakes up yeah and it's she becomes it, it, she's got kind of like a porthole a big giant round window yeah, with the, yeah. looking out over the the skyline mm-hmm. and she stands up and she's just a black silhouette cut out of the city yeah that's that is visually appealing yeah full of symbolism yeah and very very clever they try to do that in the modern one there's a lot of cuts the shots that they copy yes yeah but they it just didn't work it was just gray on gray she wasn't silhouetted Mm -hmm. it was just her in front of the city and it doesn't have the same resonance there's a bit where she's floating up out of the um out of the sea after diving yeah and her reflection floats towards her and then they merge yeah really well done in the anime looks like dog shit in 2017 version yes. it's nowhere near as good yeah. and there's also there's a couple of the action sequences in the 1995 anime where normally like, the 2017 film has very much has that Hollywood the music's going to tell you how to feel it's exciting because the music's exciting <laughs> um, going on in a few places yeah. it, there's this whole like car chase and then gunfight which is just overlain with like almost like a funeral march. Yeah, yeah. And it's really sad. And yeah. it completely changes the thing. Because it's like, people are dying. Mm-hmm. This is really terrible. 
you shouldn't be excited by this. Some, something bad could happen to someone you're supposed to care about. Yeah. So it's very clever. And I really like that. So I, yeah. I didn't, as I said, I didn't not enjoy it. But having, having watched the 2017 version that's meant to be vastly inferior, according to critics and yourself, yeah. um, I wasn't as excited by the, by the anime as I thought I would. Yeah. Um, and maybe I had too high expectations. Yeah, I think so. Whereas going into 2017, because everyone had said it was shit, but I like cyberpunk and I ain't yeah. going to be told what to do by no scrub. Um, <laughs> I maybe went in with very low expectations and because it was quite good, I went, this is amazing, I love it, I want its babies. Yeah, yeah. Anything to add on 95? It's 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 wonderfully stylized. Mm. Yeah, if you, if you like it to be introspective, it's a lovely introspective film, but it does fall on the side of being navel-gazing at times, yeah. which I think... As much as I love the film, I think a lot of people forget that fact. Mm. I I found a lot of the the exposition and the philosophical elements to be really sort of clumsy. There's a bit where the the two robots are lying next to each other about to connect and they go, it's time to elevate our consciousness to a higher plane. If I ever write anything like that in a story, fucking slap me because it's... just bad writing. Well, it's an AI. It can say what it likes. It's got its own thought consciousness that doesn't exist in the same aspect as ours. Yeah. So it doesn't think in the same way we do. So maybe for it, it wasn't bad writing. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the characters sound like that when they talk about those things. Yeah. It's a bit heavy-handed, yeah, which made it feel like it was forcing the issue. It was trying too hard to be profound, and it ended up telling you what to think rather yeah, it, than letting you think it yourself. Yeah, it, it does just fall to that occasion. Um, but the ideas it has are very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. You normally have in the credits your main character listed first. Mm-hmm. Or you do it in like order of appearance. Yeah. And it will say in order of appearance. Yeah. So that the person whose film it's meant to be isn't sad. Why is Barto? He's first in the Japanese in the Japanese anime, it's Barto, voice actor. Uh, the major voice actor, the puppet master voice actor. I don't know. It's really weird. I looked at that and went, have I got this whole film wrong? Is it actually all about him? Is he the main character? <laughs> well, this is bizarre. I don't understand because it's not. It's actually about just this plucky cop and his robot friend, yeah. not this serious cybernetic woman and her cop partner, you know. Who also happens to be slightly cybernetic. Yeah. yeah. No, it's odd. I mean, the second film focused on... Barto's experience yeah so it would have made sense there but it doesn't oh, I don't know I yeah, don't die it was just it was just weird I just went just that's odd just like for something that covers some mm. interesting feminist themes is actually just inherently sexist at the end there was also they had a weapon designer <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. really amused me just yeah don't I watch the credits the theme tune is a really good piece of music yeah but that little symbol finger sing, symbol ching yeah. thing it does it does it every 30 seconds for 90 minutes see I like that drives me up the wall I wanted to gouge my eardrums out and smear them <laughs> on the wall because it kept and then this quite cool bit of 90s like techno rock <laughs> happened at the end I was like this is the best bit of music in the film <laughs> I'm going to listen to this oh look there's a weapon designer why is he first but that I mean, you know, point we disagree on because I really like the music in the, in the original <sighs> one I thought it really summed up things very yeah, well I said I really like like the funeral fu- yeah, funereal yeah. bits the, the slow bits um, were very very good uh, but yeah just overall I felt it was it was a little bit heavy I don't think it's aged particularly well yeah I think that's fair again like I said 
time in the industry, these things weren't very well funded outside of Japan. Yeah. So it loses some things in translation, in voice acting yeah. work. There were um, some really good bits of animation and really good visual bits, but there are also lots of bits where there were two characters sat in a car exchanging exposition and only one of them was moving when they talked. Yeah, yeah. Because that's a way of saving money. Mm-hmm. And, and anime has its distinct visual style because it was kind of looked down upon and therefore it was done on a budget they never developed the really sort of lush animation style there's lots of you might have very still paintings that are very pretty but the bits that move will only be one bit moving at a time because it's quicker and it's easier and it's cheaper than having to move lots and things like that it's not just that there is certain um philosophical aspect to it of making you focus on the conversation more than the art that's going on around it yeah Whereas something like a Western animation, even a more adult-based one, wants you to focus on the, on the quick-acting visual movements and all over the place because yeah. that's, it's an animation thing that can flow with that and yeah. they want you to focus on... The same way Stanley Kubrick's shots can be very static sometimes oh, yeah. because he was a yeah. military photographer. He was very used to taking still shots of things. Yeah. And it's a similar thought process behind it. They want you to focus on a particular aspect, whether that's just them talking, so that's all they're animating and focus on, so it's all you focus yeah. on. But as you said, with something that not necessarily, you know, voice acted very well or is exposition heavy, that can sometimes grate. Git 17 then. So Git 17. So I saw this in the cinema yep. and I walked out thinking it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Was amazed by the visual fidelity of the world, the way it, the way it looked, the way a lot of the, the shots were framed. I didn't get as much of that from the Blu-ray. The cinema is a very different experience. Yeah, so... I mean, this was HD on the screen. Yeah. But I think some of the details got lost on the smaller screen. So yeah. you know, project it really, really big on the side of your house or something because <laughs> it does look uh, it does look a lot better. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, visually, it did look generally fairly, very appealing. It looked mm. very nice. Is it just all surface and no trousers? Yeah, possibly. And I think some of the surface doesn't hold up as well as the the animated versions of the mm. scenes do. A lot of them were better, but. Be- because they were framed about being animated, not being live acted. Yes, yeah. It's a very different film plot-wise. Yeah. In the the major is the first of her kind, mm-hmm. and she is experiencing glitches that may or may not be memories. Yeah. Of her past life, she's. It's more about her and her ex. She's trying to find out what's going on. There's again. There's been some cybercrime what has been happening yeah, yeah. governor eh? in this case it's scientists for the corporation that made her are being hacked by robotic things and again it, it, there's they use the puppet master character they call him Kusei rather than the puppet master yeah because he's based on something outside of Gits 95 you said that they were drawing a lot from the wider Ghost in the Shell universe yes. than just the original film. Yeah, which was what made it very difficult for me to separate it out as his own individual identity because it was taking yeah. so much from the first two series of Standalone Complex, yeah. from the original movie and the sequel, um, even some bits and pieces from the manga. Yeah. People were expecting like a live-action remake of the 95 version. Yeah, which I'm glad they didn't do. Which they haven't done. It's yeah. its own thing. Yeah. And it's in the spirit of inspired by, not a faithful adaptation. However, there are certain bits that are exactly the same. Um, So there's the iconic gunfight 
on the on the rooftops with the sort of the, the bad guy that they've been chasing spinning around with his machine gun and spraying the bullet and you yeah. get you get it's it's exactly the same it is i didn't like it as much as i like the animated version though yeah the the beginning the beginning where she's built is very similar yes. minus nipples yeah with more white paint than yeah pink body but she's pink that... at one point but then then they put some bits over yeah. the top of her but uh, yeah i like that visually and again seem to seem very much but it did work but, yeah well. i yeah. think that looked um that looked really good yeah the ending the iconic fight with the spider tank mm-hmm. uh, takes place in a different location it takes place in the the slums mm-hmm. um in the in 2017 as opposed to some kind of archaeological ruin stroke museum place yeah thing. yes um so it's been abandoned in 95 yeah which yeah. the 95 one again it, i think this is quite heavy-handed because it's turning around the robots turning around and, and gunning down and first of all it mows down a bunch of fossils and it shoots all the the, the fossils you know technology destroying the old yeah ah, subtle um, and then there's like a, a timeline of man going yeah. on and it shoots its way up that and destroys that as well and i'm like okay i can i kind of I kind of get what you're going for there i might have to think about it for three more seconds but i, but, I get it but, but they're also quick throwaway scenes so they're not they're not like resting on it and going you get it well, well you get it destroying the um the fossils they don't linger on yeah but the timeline towers in the background for the entirety of that thing and then when they're the the, the thing yeah. is resting and she's on the floor and she's kind of dying but not really because she's a robot um it's in the background for that and it's yeah. really like it's it's, it's showing it's, it because it's talking about this idea of rebirth yeah, yeah but it's so heavy-handed <laughs> a little but it's 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 visually engaging yeah yeah, yeah. Get seventeen lacked some of that. Yes, yeah. It didn't have anything that attempted to. It was a bit vision. surface, wasn't yeah, it? It was, unfortunately. So maybe maybe seventeen is too much on the surface. The other one is like, look what's under the surface, everyone. Look, look at this, and it's kind of it's drawing attention to what it's trying to hide. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's, that's made my brain hurt. Yeah. The other bit with the the robot. Um, the robot tank where she breaks herself. Yes. Um, she breaks her robot body trying to rip it open yeah. uh, to get inside. And a couple other bits and pieces as well. But it focuses more on her as a character. She's much more emotional. Mm-hmm. And she wants to find out who she is, where she's come from. And the whole plot hinges on, uh, and this is major spoilers now yeah. <laughs> for the new one. Um, it hinges on the fact that she isn't the first one. They've tried 96 other times. Yeah. Failed. Yeah. One of them escaped and is trying to find her. Yeah. And her rediscovering her past. Which is the aspect that put me off it originally. Yeah. I really liked that because I felt I could identify with her as a character. Mm-hmm. I wanted her to succeed. Yeah. I didn't really care if they made a new AI baby in 95. I was like, Did, good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, all right. which I can understand. I can appreciate, care about that. Yeah, but I can, I can see why they did it this that way. It made sense. Yeah, I did give a shit. You know, I wanted her to succeed. I wanted her to find out, and they did some interesting things with it. Yeah, but it's not something that other post-humanist based stuff hasn't done before. Yeah. Is it something that cyberpunk-based stuff hasn't done before? Is it something sci-fi hasn't done before? It's very tropey. Yeah, is oh, ninety-five not tropey then? Because I mean, if you go back to cyberpunk. Neuromancer spoilers for Neuromancer is all about two AIs merging yeah yeah in that respect yeah 
this is it's not but two it's, AIs it's two ghosts yeah but it's more but they're merging consciousness particular journey to yeah. that merging kind of thing that yeah. point from going human to AI it felt like a personal journey for her that we were along for the, the ride, ride with, yeah and it kind of got other people caught up the other one is more discussing the philosophy of what it is to transcend to elevate your yeah. consciousness I don't really believe in that kind of stuff I believe in I'm very I very much believe in the individual I don't believe in any kind of spirituality I think it's all bobbins See, and therefore it didn't have any appeal to me because it's like oh you're trying to elevate your consciousness are you no yeah. you'll just die and there'll be a new version of you sorry doesn't doesn't appeal I like that transcend especially yeah. with cyberpunk stuff because you're looking at something that's looking at something very technological overtaking and yeah. becoming past that and going where well, is there an aspect that could transcend that concept beyond biology essentially it is interesting to me and it might be just that it was one of the earliest things I saw that did something like that not an aspect that's explored a lot but the amnesic yeah. memory thing is done over and over and over again and it's a bit bit tired yes yeah amnesia as a plot device is is not good yeah it fits it does yeah and it works well and it's worked in yeah and it is a key component rather than something that's just sort of chucked in to get the plot moving yeah yeah which is fair enough I, i was i was worried that it would be the main focus as she was trying to rediscover a past and it wouldn't be very interesting so it wouldn't do anything different but they did do something with it that I think kind of pushed it past that yeah. actually that I liked so so I have a theory at okay. this point I think it's the right point to to bring it in yeah so my theory hinges on this idea that we've got we've got two different approaches to technology yeah so in the 1995 version technology is everywhere it's kind of like lots of people do what she's done mm-hmm. and they're trying to push to the next level and this is a this is. I feel like the film doesn't explain why or give any argument as to why. Mm-hmm. I think it takes it for granted that we're going to assume that her and this other AI merging yeah. is a good thing and it's progress and it's interesting in and of itself yeah. because it's technology moving forward to another level and yeah. that's really interesting. So it's looking at technology as being this sort of positive force for good Potentially, but also needing that humanised aspect. Yeah, yeah. So the human can transcend through technology. Yeah. So our use of technology, our application of technology and our embracing of technology leads to positive things. It leads to us becoming better than we were. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of kind of forward thinking. Yeah, progressive almost about the idea of technology. Yeah, depending. I think, and this this hurts me because I prefer the twenty seventeen version. I think the 2017 version is fairly conservative yeah. in its uh, depiction of technology. The technology is fairly negative mm-hmm. in that people had to die yeah. in order for her to be created. Um, and it's damaged her and she has been lied to and manipulated and technology has been used to obscure the truth. Don't take the medicine they give you. It hides your memories. Yeah. Like, okay... Medicine's generally considered a good thing in society. Yeah. And so there's there's kind of a... It, it feels more like a warning. Yes. Whereas the other one is like, a, look what could happen. Yeah. And see, what I find very interesting is that a lot of those aspects are based on, like I said, the first and second series of Standalone Complex. Yeah. Which explore a lot of those possibilities. Yeah. But don't frame it in the, oh, God, no, this is a horrible thing, because it shows the positive thing it's done, but... 
wants you just to understand that mm. this come from something that caused problems and yeah. to understand and respect that and try and do something to mitigate and help yeah. that. There's a there's a key moment in the 2017 film where and you you told me this was taken from one of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the series, um, the major visits prostitutes. Yeah, and um, that's possibly where that orgy came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's part of the original manga thing. So yeah. she's trying to explore humanity by with the voice of sex. Yeah, she's trying, yeah. trying to find some kind of feeling through it. Yeah, so in tw- in, there's nothing like that in the 1995 no, not. anime. In the 2017 film, mm-hmm. we have Scarlett Johansson. She she picks up a prostitute on the street. They go to a little a little room, and they don't have sex because you know she doesn't have to equipment yeah. and all that. But she wants to have a connection, and what she says to this this woman is take it all off and she doesn't mean like take your clothes off yeah, yeah but she takes off her fake eyelashes she takes off the odd like cybernetic thing around her mouth yeah um and she ends up essentially naked but completely natural yeah and it's only then that the major sort of leans in and starts rubbing her lips rubbing around her eyes asking her how it feels uh, and that kind of thing yeah and there seems to be that little bit there seemed to reinforce this message of okay this technology is getting in the way this technology is damaging our humanity mm-hmm. the major has been damaged she wants she needs to know who she was yeah and technology has kind of changed her in a bad way yeah so i think it's very sort of pessimistic as i said maybe slightly conservative in its aspect yeah but i still enjoyed it far more because i think maybe it's a conservative thing again oh god who am i <laughs> what am i what have i become because it's very individualistic it was all about her and her triumph over adversity yeah 1995 isn't really about her it's about those ideas yeah and it's taking a wider societal view yes yeah which is odd yeah like to my thinking because if you were to describe two films in those terms i would say that i would have preferred the 1995 version yeah but i reacted much i I was emotion i felt emotional at the end of that film yeah which i didn't at, at any point watching the 1995 version yeah it, it did feel like 1995 wasn't necessarily trying to elicit an emotional response as much as it was a like I said, an idea is a cold, coldly intellectual, like the major herself. Now, whereas maybe the the new one was overly emotional to you, Aaron. It was yeah. too rooted yeah. in its emotions. Now, as I said, it's it's taken a lot of things from the standard loan complex anime series. The series allows the major to be a little bit more on the emotional side. She's not completely cold and stoic. She is out of the whole team probably the most, but she does have an emotional response and connection to to people and things around her and stuff like that. Yeah. And it explores the same kind of ideas and societal impact of stuff, but with an emotional resonance. Yeah. Um, the end of the the Laughing Man, as it's called, um, had me emotionally connected with all the characters that were involved and made me want them to succeed and to do well. And it was really it was kind of looking at the same aspects as the original film had done, but also exploring some of the negative aspects how to mitigate them why you should always consider that that issue not that you shouldn't do it because this causes problems it should be these things can cause issues don't ignore it just because this stuff's amazing you need to pay attention to that too look at what is who it's affecting yeah and you can make everything better this makes things wonderful for these set of people but don't ignore these set you want them to as well they did that very very well Um, and this film tried to take some of those aspects squash them all into a film because it did something similar in the second series and squash yeah. that in as well and from the original film and squash that in 
and lost some of that societal emotional impacts yeah. that those series yeah. had for me. I, I definitely think, uh, just comparing the two films, it's really interesting. They Both of them use this conceit of two bin men. Yeah. Guys in a garbage truck. They're sat, they're sat in, the, in the truck. They get hacked yeah. and they turn into cold-blooded killers. And uh, in one film, they're trying to kill a scientist. In the other, they're trying to kill a programmer or a diplomat. Someone. A programmer. You can tell I didn't really know what was going on. <laughs> I was quite baffled at various points. But you had these two garbage men. Let, let's be American. These garbage men. Yeah. That wasn't American at all, was it? Let's <laughs> just stick with Binman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's Binman, right? <laughs> um, so the, these two guys, they're sat there, and then they get hacked, and they attack. Now, the main the main Binman, King Binman, yeah. in both films has been manipulated to think that he's doing what he's doing because of his daughter. Yeah. And it turns out in both that there is no daughter. Yeah. That it's a false memory implanted by the puppet master or Kusei. You know, it's it, it's quite a tragic thing for someone to realise that the foundations you build your life on, I mean, family and having a child is like a key part of your identity, yeah. isn't it? It's clearly um, important to his character in the first Yeah. Time. It's almost like you've killed his kid, mm-hmm. even though she never existed. Yeah. It's okay in the 2017 version. I got what they were going yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, I got it. It's so much better in the 1995 really version is. because it spends about two minutes having these guys talking about their families yeah. before they change. Yeah. And then you get a twist and you get this this thing. And you, I genuinely felt sorry for him. Yeah. And it's just kind of like framed... They're just they're just in a police cell. It's just a cell from... Any, it could be from a modern day. Yeah, yeah. It could be from an 80s cop show. Yeah. It's a cell that they're in. Yeah. And they're talking to the guy and they're like, dude, we're going to help you. We're going to get you over this because yeah. this seems to happen all the time. Yeah. In the 2017 version, this is obviously a brand new phenomenon. phenomenon. I really struggle with that word sometimes. <laughs> it's a new phenomenon because one of the characters turns around and goes, oh, God, blimey, governor, what's happened to this bloke then? How can he not know he ain't got no kids? Yeah, because one of them is really badly talking. Just, just random, <laughs> randomly from London. Yeah. Um, which was one of the few times I felt that that film was being clumsy. Yeah, because there was other bit aspects of that scene that really didn't work as well. Yeah, but they've put him in a weird like glass box where his yep. brain's plugged into the ceiling in a tube, and the major's like shouting at him. Yeah, and it's really it, it's nowhere near as good as the much more subtle yeah. underplay thing, and just the look of horror on the guy's face. Mm-hmm. Whereas at the end of the twenty seventeen one, they don't even go back to him once he's been told. And yeah. they've gone, go blimey, how can he's he not know? They give a bit of exposition and then they all walk off. Yeah. And he hangs himself in the background. Yeah. Uh, you know, it can't cope with it, so he hangs himself. And everybody just goes, huh, and walks off. It's like, should we go and shit to me? He's killed himself. We've yeah. we pushed it. We should do it. Because like the characters, for don't the most lack part, humanity at yeah. all. You've got Barty who feeds his dogs, which I much prefer. I much prefer... To- 2017 Bartow to yeah. 95 Bartow. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he was just a bit more developed. Yeah, yeah. yeah but they don't. They just don't care. No. It's really weird. Yeah. And it's just like, really like, shit, I don't like these people anymore. That scene came up and I went, these people can fuck off. Yeah. Whereas the scene in the original film, that was They're the all around him went, helping him. Yeah. yeah. Like, shit, and the major's kind of gone off. But it, it seems like a kind of hard decision for her to walk away from it because she feels like... Yeah. She's done harm yeah. to the other one. And that scene, and this is where we'll get a little bit maybe Suits Corner and slightly wonky. If you're in a, the 1995 film, one of the main themes is your legacy and your reproduction. It finishes with a child being born from the union of this, mm-hmm. these two ghosts. 
Yeah. So having the guy upset because his child has been taken away reinforces and foreshadows the themes of the film. Yeah. In the 2017 version, it's just a bloke who's a bit sad about his non-existent child. Yeah. It has no resonance to the rest. Well, it does in a way. (laughs) Oh, God. Because the major has a mother-daughter relationship with the scientist what made her. Mm -hmm. But that's slightly undercooked. Yeah. And and she also has a mother-daughter relationship with her actual mother. Yeah. From when she finds out where she's from. Mm Mm-hmm. It would almost have been better to have the guy doing something for his dad. He thinks his dad's ill and he needs to get some money to help his dad out. And then you change that scene to fit your new plot construct where the major is not a mother, but the major is a child looking for a a parental figure rather than a potential parent looking for a way of having a child. But instead they just lift, copy pasted and chucked it into the into the new film yeah and that's I think where some of this, the new film is ends up being shallow it's like they don't quite understand the themes that they're going for and it's yeah. just cool we've got some awesome source material some really visual visually engaging scenes it's awesome them. source <laughs> <laughs> sorry I know you didn't realise you'd said it oh um, god yeah, I'm yeah. Myself now, but yeah it's almost being like too faithful to the original and not allowing enough of their own creative thinking to go right this scene why does it work not that scene was awesome let's just do it but with more technology because we've got a bigger budget yes there's another aspect that really grated for me potentially because the age rating side of things they did this yes yeah Um, definitely now the violence in Gits 95 is horrific it's visceral you know, you hear and see bones snapping, skulls exploding. It's it's horrible. Mm. Um, and as you said before, they theme some of that in a very sad way. You're not supposed to be enjoying that visceral horribleness. It's clearly... It's upsetting. Yeah. And the yeah. characters use those actions in normally in very desperate situations. Yes. It's a last resort type thing. They seem very eager to pull out a gun in this one. And just start opening fire. Yeah, there's a lot more action sequences. Yeah, but they're also massively muted. Because they lack that impact. Because it's a 12. Yeah. So there's bang, bang. There's a bit where one of the characters gets shot through some glass and then slowly collapses as the glass cracks. Yeah, yeah. But because it's a 12, there was no blood. The the character just had two smudges of black, one on each shoulder where they'd been shot. And I use the word loosely. Yeah. So the bullet the bullet can go through glass, but it bounces off uh, the character's lab coat, leaves a black mark that then seeps into them and kills them somehow magically. This is the most starchy polyester ever. Yeah, and you know if you're if you're spending, I mean, how much did this film cost <coughs> to make? Have a guess. Oh, it's going to be like 120 million. This is the interesting thing because if you include marketing budgets, marketing budgets for films aren't included in the budget. Ghost in the Shell is considered a box office bomb, but its production budget was $110 million. Yeah. It made $169 million. Yeah. So technically, it's $59 million. You know, I'll take $59 million yeah. profit on any enterprise. Thank you very much. Yeah. But when you factor in marketing... They use the name of the Ghost in the Shell to help sell something that is telling yeah. a different story set in a sort of similar theme universe and stuff. Yeah, a little bit. If they'd done their own thing and spent that money on marketing and maybe have made more money back because people wouldn't have been as pissed off. <laughs> so it was a waste. And the marketing was rubbish, but we'll get on to that in a minute. Well, um, now let's talk marketing now. We just talked about budgets. Let's go for it. Okay. So yeah, we mentioned earlier Aaron that although you're a big fan of the original you didn't want to go with me to the cinema to watch the new Ghost in the Shell yeah 
You said it was because of the marketing. Yeah. Is this a way of, of getting out of uh, being a terrible friend, an awful husband and a selfish lover? Yes, yeah, quite often <laughs> I use uh, um, different companies' marketing campaigns to excuse me <laughs> out of doing anything, including that genocide that one time. <laughs> so I like, obviously, the philosophical, uh, more future, look, forward-looking aspect of the original movie. The trailer's very much focused on two things. The Major trying to discover her past, which massively grated for me on a story aspect, because as I... You don't give a shit about her past. No, well, not that I don't necessarily give a shit about her past, but as far as the story was concerned, it Is wasn't it important. Yeah, it was irrelevant yeah. to me. And I was like, well, if they're going to focus on that, they're going to miss out on other aspects and it's going to be dull. That's, that's not garnered my interest in the slightest. And the focus on the scenes where they've done the Shop Shop remakes of particularly the original movie. Yeah. Which highlighted why they shouldn't have made it a live action movie for me now yeah. I don't necessarily think that's the case anymore now having seen it I think yeah it has its place but the reason some of those shots worked so well in the animated films is because they were animated they were able to show the fluidity of certain things in, in a wonderful way you know the majors inhuman action the you know, ability to attack and hit things and stuff yeah doesn't work so well when you have to use wires because that always looks very Jarring. It's an unfortunate yeah. side effect of the medium. That's not necessarily a fault of filmmaker, the filmmaker in particular, but it's just as the yeah. It's a bit where she was running up walls and such like to yeah. show show off what she could do. And yeah, it did look a little bit. Well, I've seen place. it before. Yeah, and I've seen it in plenty of other things. Yeah, um, but it just meant to me that that possibly the director didn't have an understanding of why it worked in an animated context because. It can look ridiculous and it's animated, so you're already not expecting it to look perfectly realistic anyway. Yes, So it kind yeah. of fits. So possibly missing out on other aspects, and it, it worried me for, for future concepts and stuff. Yeah. And in fairness, you know, there are some things... I mean, we commented on um, Scott Johansson walking very robotically. And, yeah. And that worked, that worked wonderfully. I didn't... Some of her movements were very sort of robotic, yeah. especially when she was next to someone who was acting, you know, walking normally. Yeah. You could see a marked difference when her and Bato were walking into yes. various places. You could really tell that her movements were, were off. Yeah. The whitewashing aspect yeah, so, worried me. So so the, the film was accused of whitewashing mm-hmm. because it's still set somewhere in Japan. Looks like a futuristic Tokyo. Even though they never really defined that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard that some people say they think it's Hong Kong. Yeah, because I think the original one based some of its visual style for the Japanese city on Hong Kong. Yeah. Because that contrast fold of new that we're looking at, it it mimics that. And some of the water bits and the wooden bits they run over as well, like the enclosed marketing type bits. Uh, Especially in the first one in 95, there's a bit where he's definitely running what appears to me to be like a Hong Kong style market. Yeah. Yeah, so because it's still set in that part of the world, the Mm -hmm. fact that Scarlett Johansson is a white woman yeah um and it wasn't an asian woman playing character that is an asian character yeah i mean major motoko kusanagi yeah now in this one she was called major mira something else she is major mira killian yeah if they'd led with that i wouldn't have necessarily have gone oh no this is definitely white washing as my initial reaction was yeah a remake of a film can take characters that were once one 
ethnicity ethnicity and change to another if yeah. that isn't important to the character we were talking about remake of the ring yes where it moved it to america yeah. and americanized the story and it was a very distinct work yes to the other one and yes. no one complained about whitewashing then no but i think because it's still set in that part of the world yeah why is the character not of the same ethnicity as before? Yeah. And we do live in a world where I suppose white people's stories are prioritised or are more visible. Yeah. And I mean, we were talking again earlier about, you know, yes, Japan has its own cinema, mm-hmm. and Japan has its own culture, and it has its own, you know, it's a hundred. 20 million people yeah, in Japan like it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a big old place yeah. you know it has its own culture and it, it's not got you know it's not oppressed in any way in the same way that say whitewashing an African American character in an American film yeah. would would have you know there's a whole weight of history there yeah, yeah. but there is there is an awkward thing I suppose within Japanese culture where there, there's a thing within the culture to aspire to western standards of beauty where they're almost sort of whitewashing themselves yes and that's evident in uh, quite a few countries across the world yeah at least from a media perspective it's not necessarily of the actual People individuals or the, the, yeah. the culture yeah it's in the media basically. yeah the accusations of whitewashing came from western critics mm-hmm. and not from Japan itself who seemed to be fairly happy or didn't seem to care yes I um, I wish I'd done this a little bit sooner, actually, because there was something where they'd had a, like a behind-the-scenes thing with the director, where the original director of Ghost in the Show, whose name's eluded me right now, unfortunately, came to the set and essentially gave his consent blessing. and blessing yeah. to, to the film. And yeah, no, this is this is fine. This makes perfect sense. And when I heard about that, I was like, okay, he's not going to just... If the people it's supposed to be oppressing are okay with it, it might be okay. It's not to say it is necessarily, because you said there is a sort of cultural element of trying to Americanise yeah. as such. Yeah. But Japan has always kind of taken bits and aspects of other cultures over, over the years. China, yeah. you know, the language is very much based on mm. their food. Holland actually was a big influence in, I think, 17th, 18th century, uh, when they first came over. Yeah. Um, it influenced their artistic style for a long while. It was actually based on Alpsham. Um, found that from Samurai Champloo, actually, of all things. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Really interesting historical look at that. I'm massively lost right now, but cool. Um, <laughs> it was just in a runaway series that okay. just had an episode based on that. I was looking at it and read okay. into it, and it actually was true. And I was like, oh, cool. We looked at it and thought, okay, maybe there's more of a... It's, this is a difficult thing with yeah. whitewashing. So, so traditionally in cyberpunk, cyberpunk exists in a future where traditionally ethnicity and nationality are not important. Yeah, because it's Be- about the corporation. It's very, it's very, yeah, it's very intermingled. It's globalized. People have moved everywhere. One of my favourite um, cyberpunk characters of all time mm-hmm. um, is from Richard Morgan's Altered Carbon. Yeah. Which they're turning into a Netflix series. Ooh. And I'm so excited for I could explode. Because <laughs> uh, it's one of my favourite books ever. The, the character's name is Takeshi Kovach. Mm-hmm. So it's a Japanese first name, yeah. Russian surname, but he's from a different planet. Yeah. And it's, it, it, you know, that, that to me, that is cyberpunk. It's that, yeah, it doesn't really matter where he's from. Yeah, yeah. However, referring back to the opening of Ghost in the Shell. Yes. So, the opening of Ghost in the Shell quite explicitly tells us what, Aaron, what does it say? That computerisation hasn't eliminated 
nationalities and ethnicity. Yes. So actually, <laughs> it's kind of built into the series that actually these ideas are important yes. in a way. I mean, I think the diplomat that the the country that the um, the tech guy is trying to. Um, defect to yeah is implied to be america yes which they appear to be kind of at war with yes in that respect. yeah yeah that that's one of the um one of the things which is another reason why i went oh really what's going on but it's not necessarily as bad as it seems yeah so in the new one we don't have a defector yeah we have a corporation so it feels more traditionally cyberpunk rather than yeah. what Ghost in the Shell was doing because that was more governmental based yeah yeah very much about the government and the Prime Minister is mentioned a yeah. lot um, and as and of, the different sections a, yeah he's essentially being rogue with something yeah. yeah and so they've kind of brought some of that in and it actually feels more traditionally cyberpunk there's a mix of ethnicities we talked about the random Mockney woman yeah you've got a few Japanese characters yeah. you've got Barto. Yeah. Who in in that to me he looks he looks like in nineteen ninety five mm-hmm. he looks like Keith Sutherland in The Lost Boys. <laughs> yeah, he does still a bit. Um, sure, yeah, and this is one thing the characters in nine uh, the characters in the twenty seventeen one look quite cool. I like their aesthetic. Yeah. In 1995, the 1995 ones will have looked really cool, but instead they Barto looks like an extra from Miami Vice. <laughs> um, as does um, Tosago, Tosago? Togusa. Togusa, thank you, yeah. So Togusa, especially, he wears a powder blue suit jacket yeah. and a um, and a, t- a white T-shirt underneath. Yeah, yeah. And he even has, at one point, I think, he's got the sleeves rolled up. Yeah, yeah. He looks so 80s, it hurts. It, it does, yeah. And it's not cool anymore at all. No. Uh, so he looks terrible. But to me, because he looked like that, in my mind, he was just a, a white guy. And that's probably my privilege showing, in that he looks like a white guy like what I do. Possibly. He's got the blonde hair. But you made a, a good point about the, the, that the, kind of look. Yeah, in Japan... Uh, that dyeing your hair blonde is kind of the cool kid thing to do. It's a rebellious yeah. streak as such, but it's a, it's a thing it's a that some a tough guy tough thing, guy thing do. Yes, yeah, so yeah. they show that they're being tough. Whereas in here, if you came and you you know you had spiky bleach blonde hair next week, yeah, I'd I'd be considered a an effeminate man. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So you know, different culture. Yeah, um, yeah. there. Um, so, but Barto is. He seems to have an Americanish accent. Yeah. He's played by a Scandinavian chap. Yeah. I did like his, his character arc far more in, in the 2017 one. Yeah. Yeah, because he gets his eyes blown out and then you, you learn about his decision to what kind of thing to have. You learn a bit about him. He's like, I've got all these different modifications. Yeah. They look fucking ugly. The major's like, anything for the job, eh? And he's like, well, I ain't got anything else. Yeah. And yeah. I felt a bit sorry for, you know, he's married to his job kind yeah. of thing. Um, and you get the bits with the dogs and yeah. like right at the end he's got one of the dogs on his boat with him yeah, and I'm yeah. like oh that's again taken from the series as yeah. well. and the second film particularly focuses on his dogs it's yeah. his link to his humanity it's, it's the dogs he looks after yeah. and things but but yeah it was, it was done quite nicely but yeah. that but film. he's been sort of massively whitewashed yeah it's as weird well. but um, in, in probably the more traditional yeah. sense of whitewashing is like okay we're just going to take this character and make it white for the sake of it yes even though they do set up because the team is very multicultural the multicultural aspect of the city they're in is put across very well with the early start of the film yeah. it's emphasised that everything in, in that particular city they're in isn't necessarily based on a particular country section 9 might work for that country but the, the team that work yeah. for them are based come from all over the world 
Yeah. But they're not characterised at all. Tokusar, I really like in the first one. I thought he was a bit two-dimensional. I didn't really get, feel yeah. like I got to know him. No, he was just the, the rookie. He was very much a trope. Yeah, yeah, he was a little bit of a trope. Yeah, that's fair. But, you know, I, I liked him as a as a character in respect to how much characterisation yeah. there was in that film and stuff. But And he does seem to have a bit more command in this film. But he has, like, two scenes. And some of the yeah. rest of the team appeared twice. One of the characters is there for a throwaway joke about how he's taken an implant for, for making himself drink better in the future. Yeah, and that's the only time that person really does anything. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Whereas, um, the, whereas I know most of Section Nine aren't really talks about much past that in the original film, but it's weird to bring these characters yeah. in and then never really explore them. Yeah, I did like what they did with Takeshi Kitano's um, or Beat Takeshi's yeah. uh, character. So he plays Aramaki, the head of Section Nine. He delivers all of his lines in Japanese. Yes. Everyone else in the scene is speaking English yeah. and he's just chanting on in Japanese. Yeah. And he has really dynamically posed, really artistically layered into yeah. the scene subtitles. Yeah. Um, real best use of <coughs> subtitles I've seen in, uh, yeah, in a film. I've seen a couple other things that have done it, but I it, thought this was really clever the yeah. way that it sort of it's, layered them in. They, they move the subtitles around. Like they cut the scene around, yeah. so the subtitles move around where the scene is moving. Almost like if they move the camera to the ninety degrees to the right, the the words move to a slightly yeah. different side of the screen to represent where he is in relation to the scene. It's it was nice. almost like you could put a speech bubble around them, and it would make each scene a, a square yeah. or a panel of the um, of the manga. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't just at the bottom in a bit of blocked out where it kind of ruins the shot. Yeah. But apparently he. Um, he, he told the director, I've got a quote from him here on the internet, where he just told the director, he said, this is based on a Japanese thing, I'm speaking Japanese. <laughs> okay. And then he just carried on. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, so that was that was interesting and yeah. maybe a nice link back. Talking about the whitewashing then, yes. the, the, yeah. the character of the major was the one that got the most stick. She's the, the character that people, especially, you know, the fans of the original have, that's the character that they yeah. like, they care about the most, she's the main character. She is, to me, the ghost in The Shell. Yes. It's not ghost in a shell. No. Which is why I didn't like the way they were talking about everyone having a shell <laughs> and having a ghost, because it's ghost in The Shell. Yeah. So it's like, well, there's only one shell then, in my mind. It's The Shell. Yeah, but there's only one ghost per shell. Yeah. So it's ghost in The Shell. So if you're talking about a singular <laughs> shell, it's just a singular ghost to go with. Oh, God, language is hard. Um, yeah. yeah, fair enough. But, yeah, so, you know, it, it's about her. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. I can see why it upset people to have her, and especially renaming her. I don't think that she looks overtly Japanese in the original film. But again, mm. there's that cultural thing of... It's, it's and, the way they animate. And the way they animate, yeah. where they draw things. So that, that's fine. They did a very clever thing at the end, I thought. I liked it. Yeah. They do this thing at the end then where they go in and they find out that she actually used to be called Motoko Kusanagi. Yeah. Before her, she was taken away and her brain removed and put into the into the robot shell. So that is actually her original name. And yeah. they have renamed her. Yeah. And so it's odd because the character itself has been whitewashed. The people that work in this corporation, mm-hmm. uh, Cutter, who runs the corporation, yeah. Dr. Ule, they are Western. Yeah. Um, Cutter seems to be American. Ule is Juliette Binoche. So yeah. French, it's a French name. Yeah. They'd erased her identity, they changed her, and part of that erasure to me yeah. was putting her into a, the body of something of a different ethnicity. Yes. Completely removing her identity, yeah. 
that was clever. Yeah, and I think it's it's kind of saying, you know, if the people that attacked it for its whitewashing, well, actually, that's what the bad guys in the film have done to yeah, try yeah. to separate her. And at the end, she discovers some measure of happiness by working out who she was and where she's come from and she yeah. meets her mother and all this kind of stuff. But you can't say that to an online hate mob before the film's even come out because it will spoil one of the major plot points. Yes, yeah. And it's debatable whether or not that is enough to make up for the whitewashing because you've still hired and paid a white American actress to play this yeah. role. No, yeah, when they do they do a little visual bit showing the past when she's been taken from the street and stuff. The, the actress who's there is, is... Japanese. You can't barely see her. But you don't see her for very so long. She, yeah. So... You could still make the argument it's done very late on in, in in the film and as clever as it is to make a comment on whitewashing in a film where you know people have argued it's happened and it's the main crux for the bad guy removing that person's identity and taking it away from them. Bordering on throwaway, it's not quite because they have thought about it, but it happens so late towards the end of the film it could feel tacked on to people yes watching it yeah. I didn't necessarily feel it was tacked on it did feel like that was what they'd planned to do that there was a reason why they'd done that and they wanted to yeah. explain it away and I said this to you when the thing came out I was thinking more about the while watching the marketing stuff yeah yeah it was annoying me because of all the universes in you know canonical universes you've got for movies and stuff if you're going to whitewash any of them, this is probably the one you could get away with it the most because it's that cyberpunk future it, the, the and identity doesn't an identity necessarily isn't tied to your ethnicity even if she is a different culture it could just be that that was fitting in with she's had different, she's a completely different yeah. physical body so it's no relation to what she was before yeah yeah and I, they do do that. I think there's... I might be reading too much into this because no one ever states any of this out loud. Mm-hmm. But there is definitely a feeling that... And again, this is this is maybe the conservatism or the the warning side of the of the later film. Yeah. The the incoming corporation is very Western. Yeah. Section nine is headed up by a very Japanese man who only ever speaks Japanese yeah. and he becomes a little bit of a hero at the end. He yeah, has his own yeah. little action scene and he's talking, you know, I've talked to the Prime Minister and then he deals with part of the issue. Yeah. For me, it was kind of assert, reasserting the dominance of the central culture throughout the film. Yeah. It was saying, actually, you know, these white people, they're a bit scary with their weird technology. Not in such a simplistic yeah, way. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I hyperbolise in jest. But it had that kind of that feel to it and that it was, it was kind of saying... You know, these people are outsiders and they're damaging our society almost. Yeah. It's not necessarily a positive message, but it's a message. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's what I mean. If It felt like it had been a central conceit, but they took a little too long to get to it, so they actually yeah. rush through it. If that had been brought up a little bit earlier, yeah. they could have explored it enough that maybe it wouldn't have felt as conservative. It wouldn't have come across as outside culture. Shouldn't yeah. clash, shouldn't clash. Especially yeah. as like Section Nine themselves, who are shown to be highly effective, are made up of a multicultural unit. The city itself seems to be made up of multicultural. Everything you know is merging of everything to function properly and thing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That it could have worked really well. It could have been this wonderful commentary on whitewashing or on on sharing cultures and yeah. coming up with new ideas together and stuff. And it just missed the mark because it was a little bit too shallow again. Yeah, it doesn't really explore it. It's a thing that happens, but I wouldn't say it was deep enough to be considered a theme. Yeah. Because there's not enough of it going on. Yeah. Which is... It which wasn't is, really drawn out 
and yeah. and examined in any way. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned like the the campaign was a bit of a storm in a teacup. It obviously, upset people. But I can see that sort of that really can scare people off. That can we live in the age of the the Twitter hate mob. You know, yeah, people have to be able to say this thing isn't right. Yeah, but it, it is. I think but, sometimes it isn't constructed very well. It yeah. was. It was done amusingly much for the most part in this one. They did the I Am The Major campaign. Yeah. And um, I one of the ones I liked the most was somebody posted um, a picture of mayonnaise with I Am The Major over the top of it. And went, am I doing this right? Because mayonnaise is massively white? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's quite good. Yeah, well yeah. done. Because it's not very hate-filled. It's like point poking fun at... Well, yes. This is wrong, but look, look look how silly what you're doing is. Yeah, I think that's more effective. Yeah. It's it's understandable to get angry and emotional about those things because if they hurt, well, they hurt. But without constructively addressing the issue, yeah. what you're doing is going no, 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 and and not necessarily but, embracing something that you could pull apart and go. This yeah. is the reasons why it doesn't work, and make that person understand, and other people understand. You might end up missing out on something that actually addresses those issues. Yeah, look. Scarlett Johansson is playing an Asian character and it's set in Asia, you might go, actually for me that's enough to go, this is this is taking the piss. Yeah. And if that, you know, if that's something then that is across the line for you, then fair enough. Yeah, yeah, of course you know, it is, yeah. I'm not gonna tell you, oh you're you're too close minded, man. Yeah. Because no, that that's absolutely fine. Yes, yeah, so uh, but for me I was yeah, I was I was in it it made it interesting on a social level to see what was going on. Yeah. yeah. And actually, you know, then bringing it back in yeah to the story I thought I thought they did something with it whether they panicked to reshot the ending or something it didn't feel like that no that's what I mean was, I can understand why somebody might construe it as that because it was so close to the end but it did feel like that was what they were building to that yeah. the, what might they have been alluding to with her, her trying to find out what her past was maybe that was what they were yeah. alluding to ultimately but yeah yeah so finally then I have a theory yeah so we'll, we'll, we'll finish with this theory. You can see what you think. So we mentioned that Ghost in the Shell 1995, hard science fiction, it's all about the ideas. Yeah. It's not necessarily super character-driven. It's mm. idea-driven. Yeah. Whereas the 2017 one is more about the characters and how the technology impacts them. Not where the technology will take them, but how it's impacting them at this moment in time. Yeah. And... You know their their past and their their present and and that kind of thing. So for me, the nineteen ninety five film is very much a a work of hard science fiction. Yeah. Whereas twenty seventeen is very much a work of soft science fiction or social science fiction. Now some people use sometimes use soft science fiction in a derogatory way. Mm-hmm. It's not. No. Um, I prefer soft science fiction where we're looking at, you know, social science fiction. So one of my favourite writers, for instance, is J.G. Ballard. Yeah. Um, who never wrote hard science fiction ever. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe maybe The Drowned World was hard sci-fi because it's about climate change and stuff. Yeah. But uh, most of his works were like high rise. Here is 500 people living in a giant tall building. Yeah. What if they all decided that they had everything they wanted and didn't need to go out? How long would society last? And it ends up, you know, with a crazy guy climbing the, the tower to usurp the guy who's made himself king, murdering people as he goes. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I prefer Altered Carbon, mm-hmm. uh, the Richard Morgan novel I mentioned earlier, yeah. which is about um, maybe even be sort of post-cyberpunk, if you like, or, yeah, yeah. or biopunk, if you want. Yeah, yeah. Where it's about this idea that people 
don't die because you have a chip in the back of your brain that downloads your consciousness. You just put it in a new body and you're fine. Yeah. But it costs money. So you end up with a very, you know, the the very rich and the very and the very poor, a more stratified society. It feels very social in its yeah. exploration of that. I prefer that to Neuromancer, which is like, fucking hell, AIs. <laughs> what would happen if? Yeah. It's very, you know, Neuromancer, the characters don't really stick with me. Case is a bit kind of floppy. Yeah, yeah. The main character. Molly sticks with me because she's scary as hell and she's yeah. got razor blades for the fingernails. Yeah, yeah. And that's quite cool. It's more about the ideas yeah. than it is about those particular characters. Which, so maybe that's where that division comes yeah, from. Yeah, because while you're a big fan of that sort of things, I mm. prefer hard science fiction. Yeah. I like that. What if this? How are these ideas working? Yeah. I, ironically, I like Neuromancer more than I like Paul Carmen. I like Paul Carmen. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I like Neuromancer. It's yeah. a great, it's a great book. Um, you know, I, I tell you, it's how I, I really liked Neuromancer. Yeah, yeah. But um, I really, really like. <laughs> yeah, and ironically, it's the other way around for me because yeah. I prefer that side of that exploration. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's just a different standpoint no. on. Yeah. Narrative and, and storytelling. I, I think that a lot of the things it's dealing with in 1995, it was the future. Yeah. Plugging yourself into the internet, that kind of thing, was very futuristic. Now yeah. it's a bit passe. It's like we, we're, we're online all the time. We yeah. share things all the time. The technology, you know, we all carry around our our phones yeah. with access to all the information in the world ever, twenty four seven. So. Rather than going, oh, all this stuff is really cool. It's kind of saying, we've got a lot of this stuff already. Be careful where it's taking us. Yeah. It feels like more of a warning. I think in in 1995, we were more optimistic about things like the internet and where it would take us and what we could do. Yeah. Now we've had it for 20 years and we've realised that social media turns some people into animals yeah. and that the government is watching and tracking you everywhere you go and yeah. that Google knows more about you than your mother does. But, um, you know, I think we're at a point in time where we're actually a little bit scared of technology. These things may become in cycles, I don't know. You know, yeah. you had the um, Luddites. Luddites, yeah, yeah. You had the, the Luddites um, in the 19th century who protested the march of technology by destroying weaving machinery. Yeah, yeah. I mean... That seems ridiculous to us now. Yeah. But at the time, you know, they crushed the loom. Yeah. Uh, but at the time, they were scared of where technology was was taking the world, yeah. and so because it had advanced very quickly at that point. Yeah. And we've had the same thing with that base technology. It's yeah. advanced so quickly, we can't keep up with it. It's frightening us. Yeah. So I think maybe that's part of where these two films have diverged. Is that yeah. they're products of their time? Yeah. Being inspired by the old film but actually the message i think that you're supposed to take or that the filmmakers are trying to portray is very very different yeah as someone who hadn't watched the first one before mm. yeah. i think it's still a good film i yeah. think it feels more like a historical artifact than something that feels relevant to me now yeah yeah that seems fair yeah. but i think 22 years ago it would have been more like oh yeah cool computers are going to be amazing it's yeah. like no it's just so that um, an orange man can start a war without getting off his toilet at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Or, you know, angry white boys can uh, harass people without having to leave their house. It's just more time efficient. Time efficient assholery. Mm. Yeah, great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was a good film, but I didn't. it didn't speak to me as much as 
the modern one. And yeah. I, I appreciate I'm probably in a minority there. What about for you then, as a as a fan of the original? How did you find the new one? I found it too shallow to really latch on to it. Well, I didn't I didn't detest mm. the film. Yeah. There, there were some some really good bits about it, but lacked a lot of things for me and especially because I'd seen the original and mm. I watched the standalone complex which they based some of the bits and pieces on it was trying to be its own thing while also emulating those things and th- those things it emulated had done it better I think me. that's where it, it could have gone off and done its own thing I think yeah. this crowbarring in of set pieces from the other um, the other film yeah actually sort of hindered it yeah, yeah. because it gives the impression of it wanting to be this sort of faithful remake yeah whereas i think it's a complete sort of reimagining it's a reboot it's yes. not it's something in the spirit of the style of yeah inspired by yeah yeah it's not the same thing i think once that that separation is there that's fine but yeah having a marketing compact campaign I am the major well you're not you've got a different bloody name yeah you're a different ethnicity yeah. and actually the film's completely different yeah no matter how much it kind of shares similar bits yeah and visual stuff but I suppose if you're a fan of the original one and you see this amazing set piece with the guy in the water or the the robe you know the, the major ripping her own arms off accidentally yeah, yeah. So you go how cool would that be in real life and so you're led by your fanboy enthusiasm. Yeah, potentially. And, you, and then let down because it didn't faithfully replicate everything yeah. from the original one. Yeah. I mean, personally, I'm glad it didn't. Yeah. I would have preferred, as you said, for it to go off and do its own thing. Yeah. I, I don't mind people doing reboots and remakes and stuff if, yeah, there's a lot of shared aspects of it, but they want to do their own thing with it. That's fine. I like the American version of The Ring because it's more of a thriller mystery exploration of it I love yeah. the Japanese version of The Ring because it's a it's more horrible have you read the book? no oh my god the book is weird yeah the book is really strange I, I have to see if I can dig it out and lend it to you we could do that as our next uh, as our next film yeah, yeah yeah potentially if you like the sound of that then let us know yeah. uh, in the comments we might touch on the uh, on the ring almost like we've got a, f- a theme Touch on the ring. I just realised what I said. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. We can explore the different rings and compare them. Yeah. <laughs> it'd, be, uh, it'd be fun. So, yeah, it just feels to me like they're, they're, they're two films inspired. They're coming from the same sort of source of inspiration, but they're very much 22 years apart in yeah. their themes, their handling of the themes. And obviously one's animated and one's live action, but really that doesn't matter in any way, shape or form. I think there's certain scenes that work better in the live action. Mm-hmm. And there were certain scenes that, like, I think, just to give an example, the her body being built. Yeah. Because you could see it, and it looked very alien, rather than it just being something animated, and that, that can be anything in animation. Yeah, yeah. It's like, ooh, they, it looked like they'd built a thing, yeah. and then were making it, and that was more appealing to me. Yeah, yeah. But things like the... Um, the fight on in in the water, even the fight with the the, the tank, there were it was muted. Yeah, whereas more colour clash with the animated version, yeah, which helps things stand out and have more impact. Yeah, the the animated felt much, much more colourful, and yeah. so certain bits like that contrast with the city with her silhouette. Yeah, the city was very bright in the film. They were trying to do the same thing, but it's all grey. Yeah. Everything was grey. It was grey versus grey. Yeah, so you know it was. Uh, it was different you know they both have their um, they both have their pros and cons yes yeah. but I very much I personally I think I preferred the the modern feel mm-hmm. and the things it made me think about were more relevant to now yeah 
with the modern one. Whereas for you, coming from the first one, you've already kind of absorbed a lot of those ideas, thought about them before, and maybe you know that changes your perspective on something new. Yeah. Like, oh, whatever. Yeah. 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 It it felt to me blasé, but that's not necessarily the case for everybody. Yeah. 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 Was that way for the original? So but, that was our very first ever film podcast yeah we've never done one like this before no. so as we said at the beginning it's a bit of an experiment we're we're trying to find different ways to to bring you stuff yeah. i almost said content <laughs> i hate that term <laughs> uh, and if you listen to last week's podcast i will uh, bang on about the idea of you did that get did that stay or did i that think get so, i think some of it stayed yeah but the, the main rant i had to cut unfortunately because it would have gone for a while <laughs> yeah i got quite upset you know the idea of content creators uh, but hopefully you found that interesting yeah um, if you have anything to add if you agree with either of us and not with the other because we kind of agreed to disagree in this one I yeah think. yeah very civil of us yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but if you agree if you disagree if you've got a different spin on uh, either film if you've got a different way of looking at them yeah. if you I think where I expect there to be the most sort of pushback is when I say that I didn't like the first one and I thought the new one was good because I think that's contrary to popular yeah. uh, opinion. Yeah. So feel free to weigh in on either side of, uh, of that. And if you have any suggestions for some other films for us to talk about, mm. uh, they don't have to be comparisons. No. Uh, we have lined up some comparisons. Yes. Um, yeah. Just because I think it's a nice format. Yeah. Um, and I quite I quite like the format, but it doesn't have to be. We could talk about anything. I think sticking within the realms of, of geek culture, if you like, so yeah. uh, horror, sci-fi, fantasy, animes, yeah, uh, animated films, maybe maybe we could talk about something superhero based. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, might be good. So if you have any suggestions, <laughs> uh, please uh, please let us know. And again, if you didn't, if you're not, I mean, well done for sticking around for the full nearly two hours. Yeah, it's two hours minus editing, <laughs> so you'll get you'll be able to tell right now exactly how much we cut out of an episode. Yeah. If you don't, if you want us to to return to our things, we're not abandoning the other stuff we do. We will still keep talking about board games. Yeah, yeah. Tabletop role play games, card games, netrunner, miniature games like Manif- Malifaux and video games. Uh, but we just thought we'd, we'd mix it up. So please let us know if you like the experiment or if it's made you disgusted, sick to your very core and you're about to unsubscribe because please, please don't. It'll be sad. <laughs> yeah. Always try to end on a positive note and I fail every week. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So we've been the Critical Twits. I've been Brian Ennis. And I've been Aaron Minsky. The others have been conspicuous in their absence. Yes. Until next time, we hope we'll see you again. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.